Encyclicals of Pope Pius Twelfth, Miranda Prorsus, on motion pictures, radio, and television. Written on the 8th day of September, 1957. Section 1. General Instruction. Publicizing Christian Doctrine. We are aware that each of these three arts of the motion pictures, radio, and television, in fostering the development of mind and spirit, sets its own special problems to be solved in the field, not only of the arts, but of technology and economics. But before we deal with the particular questions affecting each, we think it right to outline briefly the principles which concern the diffusion to the greatest possible extent of the benefits which are destined both for human society in general and for individual citizens. The Good Seed Since God is the supreme good, he at all times pours out his gifts on men who are objects of his special loving care. Of these gifts, some are to assist the material life on earth, but others concern the spirit, and clearly the former are subject to the latter, in much the same way as the body should be subject to the soul, with which, before God can communicate himself by the beatific vision, he is united by faith and charity, which is poured forth in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given to us. And further, since he longs to see in man the image of his own perfection, he even wills him to be made a sharer in this supreme generosity, and has linked him with his own activity as the proclaimer of those good tidings, making him become their donor and dispenser to his brethren and to the whole human race. From the beginning of time, it has been man's natural and normal tendency to share with others the treasures of his mind, by means of symbols whereby he daily tried to develop a more perfect means of expressing his material problems. Thus, from the drawings and inscriptions of the most ancient times down to the latest technical devices, all instruments of human communication inevitably have as their aim the lofty purpose of revealing men as in some way the assistance of God. Hence, in order that the plan of God's providence may be put more surely and fruitfully into effect, by virtue of our apostolic authority, we constituted in an apostolic letter the archangel Gabriel, who brought to the human race the long-desired news of man's redemption, heavenly patron of those arts by which men can employ electrical forces to transcribe words at very great speed to others at a distance, can hold converse from places widely apart send messages by wireless, and view pictures of objects and events brought before them as if they were immediate spectators, though they are in fact far away. For when we made choice of this heavenly patron, it was our intention that all employed in these arts might fully understand the nobility of the task entrusted to them. For into their hands have been placed these useful instruments by which the priceless treasures of God may be spread among men like good seed, which brings forth fruits of truth and goodness. Evil Seed For as we consider those honorable and lofty purposes to which this technical skill should be directed, the question presents itself. Why do these same arts sometimes become the means, and, as it were, the paths leading to evil? 
whence then hath it cockle? All evil, of course, which is opposed to right moral principles, cannot have its origin in God, who is complete and absolute good. Nor does it come from the techniques themselves, which are his precious gifts. It can only be from the fact that man, endowed as he is with free will, can abuse those gifts, namely by committing and multiplying evil, and thus associating himself with God's enemy, the Prince of Darkness. An enemy hath done this. Consequently, true human liberty demands that we use and share with others all these resources which can contribute to the strengthening and perfecting of our nature. True Freedom of Communication But since the Church is the teacher of the doctrine which leads to salvation, and has all that is necessary for the attainment of holiness, she is exercising an inviolable right when she teaches what has been committed to her by divine command. It ought to be the duty of all public officials to recognize this sacred right, with the result that she should be given ready access to those arts by which she may spread truth and virtue. Indeed, all true and active sons of the Church, since they recognize the priceless gift of the redemption, are bidden to ensure, to the extent of their power, that the Church may use these technical discoveries in so far as they may assist the sanctification of souls. Yet when we assert and claim these rights for the Church, it is not our desire to deny to the State the right of spreading by the same means that news and those teachings which are really necessary or useful for the common good of human society. And further, let it be permitted even to individual citizens, due regard being paid to actual circumstances and the safeguarding of principles which promote the common good, to contribute according to their capacity to the enriching and development of their own and others' intellectual and spiritual culture. Errors Concerning Freedom of Communication Contrary, however, to Christian teaching and the principal end of these arts, is the will and intention of those who desire to use these inventions exclusively for the advancement and propagation of political measures, or to achieve economic ends, and who treat our noble aim as if it were a mere business transaction. In like manner, approval cannot be given to the false principles of those who assert and claim freedom to depict and propagate anything at all, even though there has been established beyond dispute in these past years both the kind and the extent of the damage to both bodies and souls which has had its source in these principles. There is no question here of the true liberty of which we have spoken above, but rather of an uncontrolled freedom, which disregards all precautions, of communicating with others anything at all, even though it be contrary to sound morals, and can result in serious danger to souls. The Church encourages and supports everything which truly concerns a fuller enrichment of the mind, for she is the patron and the foster-mother of human knowledge and the noble arts. Therefore she cannot permit the violation of those principles and laws which direct and govern man in his path to God, his final end. Let no one, then, be surprised if, in this matter, where many reservations are necessary, the Church acts with due thought and discretion, according to that saying of the Apostle, 
but prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. From all appearance of evil refrain yourselves. Those, therefore, are certainly to be blamed, who openly declare that public communication of matters which impede, or are directly opposed to, principles of morality, should be encouraged and carried out, so long as the method is in accord with the laws of the liberal or technical arts. In a short discourse on the occasion of the fifth centenary of the death of Fra Angelico, we recalled to the minds of our hearers that it is true that an explicitly moral or religious function is not demanded of art as art. But, if artistic expression gives publicity to false, empty, and confused forms, those not in harmony with their creator's design, if rather than lifting the mind and heart to noble sentiments, it stirs the baser passions, it might perhaps find welcome among some people, but only by nature of its novelty, a quality not always of value, and with but slight content of that reality, which is possessed by every type of human expression. But such an art would degrade itself, denying its primary and essential element. It would not be universal and perennial, as is the human spirit to which it is addressed. Competence of Public Authority and of the Entertainment Industry Beyond all doubt, public administrators are strictly bound to be watchful over these modern arts also. Nor should they look on this matter from a merely political standpoint, but also from that of public morals, the sure foundation of which rests the natural law, which, inspired testimony assures us, is written in our hearts. It cannot be asserted that this watchful care of the state's officials is an unfair limitation on the liberty of individual citizens. For it is concerned with, not the private citizen as such, but rather the whole of human society with whom these arts are being shared. We are well aware, as we have already said on another occasion, that there is a widespread opinion among men of our time who are unreasonably intolerant of the intervention of public authority that censorship is to be preferred which comes directly from the industry itself. But though the persons professionally engaged in these arts can, in a praiseworthy manner, support the action of public officials and render ineffective the evils which can easily damage true morality, yet those rules and safeguards which issue forth from the former ought in no way to be opposed to the serious duty of the latter. Hence, both our late predecessor and we ourselves readily praised those who, in accordance with the task committed to them in this sphere, published suitable safeguards and rules without in any way prejudicing what belongs to the competence of public authority. For we think that, then only can these new arts make their proper and natural contribution to the right fashioning of the minds of those who use them, if the church, the state, and those engaged in these professions, pooling their resources in an orderly way, cooperate with each other to secure the desired end. If the opposite happens, i.e. if these arts without set laws or any moral safeguards embark on a downward and uninhibited path, they will certainly restrict the people's true development and weaken their morals. Sight and Sound Communication among the various technical arts which transmit the ideas of men, 
Those occupy a special place today, as we said, which communicate as widely as possible news of all kinds to ears and eyes by means of sounds and pictures. This manner of spreading pictures and sounds, so far as the spirit is concerned, is supremely adapted to the nature of men. As Aquinas says, But it is natural to man to come to things of the understanding through things of sense. For all our knowledge has its origin in a sense. Indeed, the sense of sight, as being more noble and more honorable than other senses, more easily leads to a knowledge of spiritual things. Therefore, the three chief technical methods of telecommunication, i.e. those of the motion pictures, radio, and television, deal not only with men's recreation and leisure, though many who listen in and view seek this alone, but especially with the propagation of those subjects which, while aiding both mental culture and spiritual growth, can powerfully contribute to the right training and shaping of the civil society of our times. Much more easily than by printed books, these technical arts can assuredly provide opportunities for men to meet and unite in common effort. And since this purpose is essentially connected with the advancement of the civilization of all peoples, the Catholic Church, which, by the charge committed to it, embraces the whole human race, desires to turn it to the extension and furthering of benefits worthy of the name. Indeed, this should be the first aim of the arts of the motion pictures, radio, and television, to serve truth and virtue in the service of truth and virtue. Let them be at the service of truth in such a way that the bonds between peoples may become yet closer, that they may have a more respectful understanding of each other, that they may assist each other in any crisis, that, finally, there may be real cooperative effort between the state officials and the individual citizens. To be at the service of truth demands not only that all refrain from error, from lies, from deceit of all kinds, but also that they shun everything that can encourage a manner of living and acting which is false, imperfect, or harmful to another party. But above all, let the truths handed down by God's revelation be held sacred and inviolable, rather why should not those noble arts strive particularly to this end? that they spread the teaching of God and his Son, Jesus Christ, and instill into minds that Christian truth, which alone can provide the strength from above to the mass of men, aided by which they may be able, with calmness and courage, to overcome the crises and endure the severe trials of the age in which we now live. Moreover, these new arts should not only serve the truth, but also the perfecting of human life and morals. Let them make an active contribution to this in the three ways we are now going to write about, namely in the news published, in the instruction imparted, in the shows presented. News News of any event, even if nothing but the bare fact is related, has yet an aspect of its own which concerns morality in some way. This aspect affecting human morals must never be neglected, for news of any kind provokes a mental judgment and influences the will. 
the newsreader who worthily fulfills his task, should crush no one by his words, but rather try to understand and explain as best he can the disasters reported and the crimes committed. To explain is not necessarily to excuse, but it is to suggest the beginning of a remedy, and consequently to perform a task at once positive and constructive. Instruction What we have just written has doubtless more force when it is a question of imparting instructions. Documentary films, radio broadcasts, and television for schools provide ideas and open up new possibilities here, not only with regard to those who are still young, but also with regard to those of mature years. Yet every precaution must be taken that the instructions given are in no way contrary to the Church's teachings and its sacred rites, or impede or frustrate the proper duty of educating the young within the home circle. Similarly, it is to be hoped that these new arts of publicity, whether exercised by private citizens or controlled by rulers of states, will not spread doctrines while suppressing all mention of God's name and taking no account of his divine law. However, we are fully aware, alas, that in some nations amid which atheistic communism is rampant, these methods of telecommunication are directed in the schools to root out all religious ideas from the mind. Indeed, anyone who considers this situation calmly and without prejudice cannot fail to see that the consciences of children and youths deprived of divine truth are being oppressed in a new and subtle way, since they are unable to learn that truth revealed by God, which, as our Redeemer declared, makes us free, and that by this cunning method a new attack is being made on religion. But we earnestly desire, venerable brethren, that these technical instruments, by which eyes and ears are easily and pleasantly attracted to events happening far away, should be employed to a particular end, namely, to provide men with a broader cultural background in the knowledge necessary for the fulfillment of their duties, and above all in Christian principles. If these principles are neglected, there can be no progress worthy of the name, even in merely human matters. We desire, therefore, to pay due tribute of praise to all those who, whether by films or sound broadcasting or television shows, direct their efforts towards this most honorable goal. Shows Further, it must be noted that apart from the published news and the instructions delivered, these new arts can contribute considerably towards the true good of men by shows as well. The programs have generally something which has reference not only to entertaining men and giving them news, but also to the training of their minds. With complete justice, then, our predecessor of happy memory, Pius XI, called the film theaters the schools of events, for they can be called schools in this sense, that the dramatic plot is joined with scenes in which the vivid pictures which are portrayed by the moving light are synchronized with sounds of voices and music in a most fascinating manner, with the result that they reach not only the intelligence and other faculties, but the whole man, and in some way link him to themselves, and seem to sweep him into a participation of the plot presented. 
Although the arts of the motion pictures, radio, and television include in some fashion various types of spectacle already long in use, yet each expresses a new product, and thus a new kind of spectacle, which is aimed not at a few chosen spectators, but at vast throngs of men who differ among themselves in age, way of life, and culture. Mass Education in order, then, that in such conditions, shows of this kind may be able to pursue their proper object, it is essential that the minds and inclinations of the spectators be rightly trained and educated, so that they may not only understand the form proper to each of the arts, but also be guided, especially in this matter, by a right conscience. Thus they will be enabled to practice matured consideration and judgment on the various items which the film or television screen puts before them, and not, as very frequently happens, be lured and arbitrarily swept away by the power of their attraction. If there is lacking this mental training and formation, enlightened by Christian teaching, then neither reasonable pleasures which everyone readily admits are necessary for all who are involved in the business and troubles of life, nor the progress of mental development, can be kept safe. The sound policy of Catholics who have encouraged, especially in recent years, the need to educate the spectators in this way is most praiseworthy. And several plans have been launched which aim at making both youths and grown-ups willing to examine adequately and competently the benefits and the dangers of these shows and give a balanced decision on them. This, however, should not provide an excuse for attending shows which are contrary to right morals. Rather, it ought to lead to pointing out and choosing those only which are in accord with the Church's commandments on the grounds of religion and of the moral law, and which follow the instructions issued by the ecclesiastical offices in this matter. Provided these plans, in accordance with our hopes, correspond to pedagogical principles and of right rules of mental development, we not only give them our approval, but also heartily commend them and thus we desire them to be introduced into every type of school, Catholic action group, and parish society. Right training and education of the spectators in this fashion will ensure, on the one hand, a lessening of the dangers which can threaten harm to morals, and on the other hand, permit Christians, through the knowledge they acquire, to raise their minds to a contemplation of heavenly truths. While speaking on this point, we desire to praise in a particular manner those preachers of the divine word who make right use also of the means provided by motion pictures, radio, and television to this end. They are aware that they are in duty bound to preserve the integrity of morals of those peoples to whom they minister and lead towards the path of truth, and thus they share with them the genuinely salutary benefits and inventions which our times have introduced. We therefore desire that those who wield authority, either in church or state, should in a special way support the activity and enterprise of those preachers. Entertainments for Youth Yet it must be noticed that in exercising control in this matter, the right training and education of the spectators of which we have spoken, it is not in itself sufficient. 
Each of the shows must be suited and adapted to the degree of intelligence of each age, the strength of their emotional and imaginative response, and the condition of their morals. This indeed assumes a very great importance, because sound radio and television shows, since they easily penetrate right into the domestic circle, threaten to undermine the protective barriers by which the education of the young must be kept safe and sound, until such time as advancing age gives the necessary strength to enable them to overcome the buffetings of the world. For this reason, three years ago, we wrote thus to the bishops of Italy, Should we not shudder if we reflect attentively that by means of television shows, even within home surroundings, all can inhale that poisoned air of materialistic doctrines, which diffuse notions of empty pleasures and desires of all kinds, in the same way as they did over and over again in cinema halls. We are aware of the initiatives which have been encouraged, not only by public authorities, but also by private groups who are engaged in the education of youth. We mean those undertakings and plans by which they make every possible effort to withdraw young people from those shows which are unsuited to their age, though they are too often being attended, with resulting serious harm. Whatever is being done in this praiseworthy cause we heartily approve. Yet it must be noticed that even more than the physiological and psychological disturbances which can arise therefrom, those dangers must be guarded against which affect the morals of youth, and which, unless turned aside and forbidden in due season, can greatly contribute to the damage and overthrow of human society itself. Concerning this matter, we make a father's appeal to the young so dear to us, trusting that, since it is a question of entertainment in which their innocence can be exposed to danger, they will be outstanding for their Christian restraint and prudence. It is their grave obligation to check and control that natural and unrestrained eagerness to see and hear anything, and they must keep their mind free from immodest and earthly pleasures and direct it to higher things. The Work of the Church, National Offices Since the Church knows well that from these new arts which directly affect the eye and ear, very many benefits, as well as very many evils and dangers, can arise according as men make use of them. She desires to perform her duty in this matter also, insofar as it concerns directly, not culture in general, but religion in particular, and the direction and control of morals. With a view to carrying out this task more fittingly and easily, our predecessor of immortal memory, Pius XI, declared and proclaimed that it is absolutely essential for bishops to set up a permanent national office of supervision, whose business it would be to encourage decent films, but to give others a recognized classification, and then to publish their judgment and make it known to priests and faithful. And that it was necessary, he added, that all Catholic initiatives with regard to the motion picture be directed to an honorable end. In several countries, the bishops, with these directives before their eyes, decided to set up offices of this kind, not only for matters connected with motion pictures, but also for radio and television. As we consider, then, the spiritual advantages which can spring from these technical arts, together with the need to protect the integrity of Christian morals, which such entertainments can easily endanger, 
We desire that in every country, if the offices referred to do not already exist, they be established without delay. These are to be entrusted to men skilled in the use of these arts, with some priest chosen by the bishops as adviser. Moreover, venerable brethren, we urge that in each country these offices dealing with motion pictures or radio or television should depend on one and the same committee, or at least act in close cooperation. At the same time, we urge the faithful, particularly those who are vigorous members of Catholic action, to be suitably instructed so that they may perceive the need to give willingly to these offices their united and effective support. And since there are a number of questions on this subject not capable of easy explanation and solution in individual countries, it will certainly be very useful if the national offices of each country unite into an international association, to which this Holy See, after due consideration, will be able to give approval. We have no doubt, venerable brethren, that you will produce fruitful and salutary results from what you will do, at some cost and toil and inconvenience, to obey these directives. But the result will be more easily and aptly attained if the particular rules which we are going to set out in the course of this encyclical letter with regard to motion pictures, radio, and television, separately considered, are carefully put into practice. <laughs>